Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 304. I am not joined today by my co-host, Prez, who has abandoned me. Uh, he is living his best life, and uh, I am here to pick up the slack while he's doing such things. Uh, no, I, I I, actually have no idea what Prez is doing. He's probably on a fucking vacation somewhere. Um, but while he's doing all that, I am joined by, not a first-time guest of the pod, but first time in a little while, you know him as at YC on Twitter, uh, YC, how you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I uh, hope Prez is all right. Seems like uh, you don't know his whereabouts, which is a little <laughs> concerning, but uh, other than that, I'm good. Oh, he's, he's fine. I don't know his whereabouts, but he's fine. He's fine. We've talked. Okay. He's just being very squirrely about it, like secretive about his whereabouts. Yeah, he yeah. might be in California. He might be in Mexico. Nobody knows where Prez is. Uh, but before we get started talking about the basket sports, uh, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has a Instagram, which you can subscribe to. That is at the Strick.land on Instagram. We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you haven't done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise, which you can find on our website. We've got t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, mugs, even water bottles, anything you want. We probably have on there, so check that out. And then finally... The Strickland has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag that comes out every other week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, and this will be possible without you. And all of this... It's brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your championship finals info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA and Stanley Cup finals. Bet Online is your sports intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball and hockey to MLB, UFC, and boxing, the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today. Head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, so, there is basketball still ongoing. Uh, 
We don't talk about that. I can't believe this fucking Heat team. I'm so annoyed by them. They have, like, so much evil devil magic. Like, it's insane the levels of bullshit that I've had to watch from them this postseason. Um, it's very infuriating that I swear every single time they're down 12. I'm just like, they're going to hit, like, fucking three straight threes right now. The other team's going to commit the stupidest fucking turnovers that make no sense. Um, they'll probably miss layups. Michael Porter Jr. will, like, you know, take a shot with three defenders on him while there are three guys underneath the hoop wide open. Um, I'm so sick of them. I hate watching this team. I hate watching. I I just need, I need, I really need Denver to win this series. Like, not even from a financial perspective. I Like, I'm not even... I just, I can't, I can't do the Miami thing anymore. I like after they won game two, I don't know if you saw, I don't know if this happened to you, but the next day, right, you know, wake up, taking my like morning shit, peacefully scrolling through the timeline. And I just see like 15 tweets that are just like, oh, like Bucks fans thought we were over. Knicks fans, we were the favorites. Like the Knicks were favorites against us. This is such a testament to heat culture. And it's like, there's like, like oh, like, this is why Miami's the destination for all these veterans. And I'm just like, I, if I have to deal with an entire summer of like heat culture is the greatest thing of all time, I'm going to fucking lose it. I can't do it. I just can't do it. <laughs> I mean, with credit due, it just feels unfair if they win a championship with, which seems like the lucky charms, most lucky <laughs> run that any team in professional sports has ever Got it. They have like three or four of the top like eight per- shooting performances of all time in the playoffs, <laughs> like just this year. Um, it's just so unbelievable. And like credit, dude, like you put them, they put themselves in position, they turned it on, you know, all that. But it just would feel unfair. It's like you said, it's like you're watching the game and, you know, they go down, they're down 15, and then it's like, wait, did Jokic's pants fall down? And, and like just something un- inexplicable happens, and then they, 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 pull it out it's it is i've never seen anything like this um it's absolute bananas i think the other part that's actually really annoying too is like like you mentioned they've had like all these insane shooting performances as a team but Mm -hmm. then like you'll get you know you'll just see these tweets where it's like oh like you know i I forgot was it jay williams last week that was like oh this is like the biggest carry he's never seen someone carrying yeah Yeah. what are you watching? Like, I actually, and I think that's actually what makes it even more annoying is there is like a way to talk about this Heat team that, like, even as a Knicks fan who will always hate the Heat, I would be like, yeah, that's actually true. And like, I can respect, but it's like the levels that it goes to and the way they discuss these things, it gets talked about in the most annoying, like, possible ways that I can't, I just, I'm like, I don't need to, like, we, I don't need us to. Can we stop pretending that Jimmy Butler is like on some, you know, like ninety-three Jordan run or something? Like, like this is that's not what's happening. Uh, I, and all, all I'll say though is this: is like credit they do deserve credit, but like Eric Spoelstra, I think there was that report where it was like, oh, he's he might get twenty million a year. Give him like fifty million a year. Like that man right. is just he's worth every penny. Uh, in an, in an, that's one that's like a obviously a part of the league that's not capped. So mm-hmm. whatever you can give it, like, let me tell you, don't, don't let him, if he's smart, he should hit the open market because he mm-hmm. will make 
some like I don't know who it would be. I mean, I mean, if he's in heading into the open market because I think his contract expires after next year, um, and, you know, maybe this is like a good place to start our discussion point is like things that could kind of like I think this is going to be a, kind of a not I want to say pivotal offseason in the his, like in the NBA, but it feels like there's a lot of shoes that could drop. Um, and I do wonder about like the Spolstra thing because I know last last year, um, before Portland hired Billups, they had made an aggressive push to or sorry, it was, I think it was two years ago. But what they they made an aggressive push to try to hire Spolstra to get him out of Miami. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, mm-hmm. But he hasn't signed a new contract. It is an expiring contract heading into next season. And I just feel like he's in such a strong position, regardless of whether they win or lose the series, where it's like he's one of those rare coaches that, you know, he can enter a lame duck coaching season and he's going to have all the authority in the world over his team and no one can say shit to him. And it's like, I just wonder, like, what what number does Miami have to go to for him to just be like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm signing the contract right now. I think that uh, he should definitely let his contract expire. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think just the leverage of it would be enough and living in Miami and the tax, the Florida taxes and all that. Unless he, like, hates DeSantis maybe or something. <laughs> I don't know. But that, that's, like, not out of the realm of yeah, possibility. But, or he wants to try something new, new challenge type thing. But uh, I think they just have to kind of make – they probably have to make him the highest paid coach in professional, like, the big four sports in America, probably. Yeah, I think Belichick by, gets like by a few million. Yeah, I mean, and I, I, like you said, I was like, give him 50. Like, it really doesn't matter. Like, he's def- he's proven he is worth every penny. He's, like, the best coach there is. But going back to what you're saying about the carry job, like, thing that Jay Williams, of all people, was talking about. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, has he hasn't seen someone carry his team, like, ever, like Jimmy Butler has. The weird thing about that conversation is – it feels like not only does he get credit for the rest of his team not being that great and not having like a bunch of name guys, even though the team is a good team, it's almost as if he gets credit for that because he's not a good, he's not as good a player as LeBron. So somehow Jimmy Butler not being as good as LeBron <laughs> makes it seem like this carry job is better than LeBron did and it's like, or better than Jordan did or better than all these all time greats because there's somehow like including Jimmy Butler being on that like next level of superstar as like he's carrying himself. Like I don't understand the logic of giving him credit for a carry job just because he's just because LeBron James is like a much better basketball player. You yeah. Know? It's, it's really, it's honestly one of the weirdest things. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this. I like, I actually go back and look at this tweet now every like once a day because it's so funny. Uh, There's like this tweet by ESPN and it was like they had two pictures of Jimmy Butler sitting on the sideline in the fourth quarter smiling, and it was just like, oh, Jimmy Butler smiling in the fourth quarter got to be studied. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Like, what what like, what are we studying? What <laughs> Jimmy Butler coded? He's goaded or whatever words like, and he's just standing there. He's just existing. <laughs> yeah, just Jimmy Butler okay. is alive. Like, great. Yes. Amazing achievement here. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think he should let it. I think, I think Spolstra definitely should let the contract expire. Um, mm-hmm. I do wonder, like, you know, so much of this stuff is always about wanting to feel like there's upward mobility. And I have no idea if he wants, you know, personnel control. I have no idea what his aspirations are in that sense. But, I mean, that's all really that's left for him, right? Like, there's no upward mobility aside from that. 
Um, you know, if I'm him, I'm probably trying to see if I can, can I get an ownership stake? I have no idea what the CBA rules mm-hmm. are that. Can I get an ownership stake? Yeah. I'd ask for an ownership stake if I were fucking him. Um, I mean, yeah. Pat Riley did it, right? When he left right. when he left New York to go to Miami, he got an ownership stake. Take take a page out of your, your boss's book. Um, mm-hmm. And look, like, uh, Riley's, what is he, like, fucking, he's like 95 years old. God knows how many poor souls he's had to suck through his vampire teeth to stay alive. Um, <laughs> but, like, like, I mean, you have to think at some point, Riley's like, all right. I'm fucking old as hell. Like I'm succession player. Yeah, or right. Like yeah. so, whether it's um, you know, there's an, a definitive date or it's like agreed upon or whatever, where it's kind of like, look, I'll step aside and you're gonna come up to the top spot. I don't know if he wants to balance both those things. I would probably assume you wouldn't want to. Um, but like, is that something he wants to transition to, or is he content on the sidelines? I don't know. I think that's pretty interesting because if he does want that that spot, right, the president of basketball operations or whatever but he doesn't want to coach anymore that actually would be really really interesting because we know that he is the best coach in the league or at least in that conversation i think he's very clearly the best mm-hmm. coach in the league um but like it's it's like the peter principle right where it's like okay you want, if you're paying him because he's the best coach in the league that's fine but if you're paying him because he's the best coach in the league, but he's not going to be coaching anymore, and he's actually going to transition to this front office role, which is what he's like kind of aiming for. I'm not like then it kind of it changes how you view that. Uh, I, and again, I we're just talking like none of us knows what the fuck Spo wants, you know, what he's planning. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do think that's like an interesting thing to consider, given I mean, how old is Pat Riley? He's got to be like eighty something, right? He's got to be like eighty or at least he like is 78, 78. Yeah. So it's like you know you've got to think all this stuff is if not, you know, under consideration, it's definitely like in the back of people's minds within the heat organization, I'm sure. And it feels like it's such a strange thing too, because it's like a lot of front offices are, and I imagine Miami is the same. It's such a collaborative process that a lot of it is kind of title and there would be other people doing the day to day. If he wanted to coach and have personnel control, like he could do that. I'm sure they'd let him, especially if Riley was stepping aside mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure how much Riley is involved in the day-to-day anymore, honestly, or if he's just like a CEO type figure, just in the sense that, you know, he wrote all these like books and kind of is a management guru type from the 90s. Like that's kind of his persona a little bit. I don't know if he's involved in the day-to-day as much. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, it really just comes down to that Spoh's in a position where he can essentially just get whatever he wants, unless... Unless I'm missing something or something drastic happens in Miami. I feel like he's beloved. He's still very young. He has, like, everything going for him as far as leverage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, this this finals run, obviously, probably happened at, like, the perfect time for him. Not that mm-hmm. I doubt it would have been an issue either way, but it almost, like, reinforces it. Because, obviously, there yeah, were absolutely. a lot of questions about Miami throughout the season, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. rightfully so. And I don't think, honestly, I didn't think those questions had anything to do with Spo because when I was watching them during the regular season, I was just like, yeah, like, I don't know if another coach in the NBA has this team at, like, 500. Like, I, I don't even know right. that. So I, it was never about that, but it, it's like, you know, he takes this team and it's just like, he just always finds a fucking way to take whatever he's given and elevate it to a level that it has no business being at. I mean, you go back to that, Celtics series, um, and it's like you know, like the Knicks series. I still, I, look, I don't, I really don't want to like because <laughs> that talk about that. I really feel like the Knicks pissed that away 
in multiple ways. Yeah. Um, and I will say this though, like I've criticized Tibbs a lot for his coaching in series, and I do think like a lot of that is justified. Um, but like you do have to give him credit for the fact that the Knicks are the one team in this fucking playoffs that's managed to hold them down offensively. I think the most points they scored in a game um, in that series was one eleven. I want to say, and that was the first. That was right. game one. Um, but like they didn't. They they actually held down Miami quite quite well. So um, they do deserve credit for that. But like, yeah, like you know um, that that Celtics series. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but like I I know the Celtics were not like the perfect roster. Because is there ever a perfect roster? Um, but like, I thought they were the most talented team in the NBA. Um, at least and mm-hmm. for sure, I felt like you know one to nine, one to ten, they were the most talented team left in that final four. And for them to lose, and I know it ended up being a seven game series, but like, was that the worst seven game series ever? Like, I don't know. It was so bizarre and. For them to lose, it's almost even worse. Like they they got it back to game seven, and then they went out the way they did. Um, I I just like, I don't know that when you watch that, you're just like this guy. I don't know how he's getting his team to <laughs> to to match up with these dudes. You're giving up size at almost every position. Like it, it's just wild to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I mean, look, the Celtics are actually another team here uh, that kind of has. I mean, one of the teams that probably has some of the biggest decisions facing them this offseason, especially with the new CBA and everything coming in, how that's going to affect them down the line. They got the Jalen Brown thing coming out, uh, you know, coming to a head here. He obviously made the All-NBA team, as did Jason Tatum. Both of them are eligible now for Supermaxes. Jalen Brown can sign his this offseason. Um, there's all kinds of smoke with him. Like, you know, like, should they give him the Supermax? If he doesn't get the Supermax, do they? can they keep him? Does he even want to stay? Because they offered him for KD last year, and he was not happy about that. Um, where do you, I guess from Boston's perspective, where do you come down on just like okay, you're gonna give Tatum the super max for sure. I don't think there's a question about that. Um, that's like sixty million. That's like a sixty million dollar contract. It's a little bit over, I think, for him actually on average. Yeah. Jalen Brown's is I think his super max is five years, two ninety five, so just under sixty million a year. It's fifty nine million a year average. Do you like? Are you doing that if you're Boston? My gut says I'm not doing that. I just don't think. Like my initial feeling on it is, and I will caveat this, but my initial feeling on it is you don't do that. You offer him a regular max, and you try to put the team together. I don't. I, I'm not in the camp of of this playoffs was indicative of some deep problem where they have to blow everything up. So first of all, I'm, I'm not doing that. Um, I would not give him the Supermax because it just seems like, from everything we keep hearing about the CBA, it's getting more and more punitive to like spend money, keep your players, yes, but it's going to be harder and harder to build the team. We see what's happening with draft capital and people like making trades, and it's just going to be harder and harder and harder to like build a team if you have two 60 million guys. The caveat is that in the past few years, and again, a different CBA, we've seen that every untradeable contract has been traded. So, on the one hand, I think that, like, it would be really hard to have the Supermax thing going. But one thing that I've always said about the league that's different than the league of, like, the the late 90s, early 2000s is what really killed teams back in the day 
was the length of contracts, oh, not the year-to-year salary. It was like the Rafe LaFrent seven-year deals <laughs> that would like cripple your team. You know what I mean? Like, and now the NBA has kind of really saved all the teams from themselves by just you're not able to give a guy you know seven, eight years anymore. Um, so on one hand, or seven years is probably the max. Yeah. Actually, I still remember with the Knicks signing but... Jamal Crawford. They got the Jamal Crawford in the signing trade. It was seven years, mm-hmm. fifty-six million. And it's like fifty-six million. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, at that time, you were like, you're like that, like seven years. Like, is that like that's two thousand eleven? That's when that expires. <laughs> yeah, and it just gives you this. I think when back then too, it used to be like at fifty six million. Even back then, it was like a good amount of money, yeah. but it was more just the fact that it was seven years, and it was because the front offices. You think I'm a genius, and I know that if if I get this guy in in our in our team on our team in our house, he's gonna blow up, and this is gonna look like a steal in year five. And it's like it never works out that way. It just never does. Right. Um, but my instinct is just that I the. It's hard without looking at the specifics, but I also just am not sure. I guess the other caveat is I'm not sure how much giving Jalen Brown a max versus a super max would help you in the team building. Because if you're stuck, you're stuck. Like, you're capped out, you're capped out. So maybe it doesn't matter, but it just doesn't feel. My my gut tells me that I I would try to avoid doing that. And then if he's really hard line about getting the super max, I'm not sure how serious he wants to stay. So maybe that sways your decision a little bit. I'm not sure. The one thing too with Jalen Brown, like, and and I don't know, like, so we've seen the Celtics team. Obviously, what they've been together for, what Brown and Tatum have been together since at least 26, mm-hmm. 2017. I think Brown was a rookie in twenty sixteen. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they're really good. Okay, they, again, it's fun to troll. Like, I honestly like it's very fun to troll the Celtics. It's probably <laughs> the one good thing about Miami beating them was like, at least it was it came at the expense of Boston. Um, mm-hmm. but like, you know, this, and I think this all came to a head somewhere in like the mid 2010s. I think it was after like that heat team, obviously, right. The heatles with LeBron and Wade, where there was this whole concept of like, you don't actually need point guards and like, you just get a bunch of wings and like, all, if you have wings, that's all that matters. And like, we saw obviously the Clippers also go all in on this with kind of the Kawhi PG moves that they made. Um, and you look at everything they've done since then, how many point guards that they bounced through, right? Reggie Jackson, John Wall, fucking Pat Bev. Like they, you, they've gone through so many. They traded for Bones Highland. Like, like they're just trying to find that guy that can put them in the right spots. Um, and I think with Boston, like, obviously like we've seen them try to find the right point guard, right? So it's like they get Isaiah Thomas. Okay. That wasn't quite enough, so you're like, okay, let's let's get Kyrie. Let's trade for Kyrie. They get Kyrie. Kyrie, look, we're we're gonna talk about Kyrie later because Kyrie has has definitely inserted himself into the NBA offseason. Um, mm-hmm. But Kyrie, like, he, obviously that didn't work out because Kyrie does crazy Kyrie things, and so then they move on from Kyrie. They bring in Kemba. Kemba doesn't work because Kemba's cook, as we also saw in New York. Um, right. And then they move on from Kemba, and then they actually just commit to Marcus Smart. And yeah. they commit to Marcus Smart, but then they bring in Derek White, right? And then they lose in the finals. They're like, you know, we need a little bit more drill penetration. So they bring in Malcolm Brogdon. And it's yeah. just like they're constantly searching for the right point guard. And and what I wonder, and I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on this, I wonder if that if you're just never going to get the right point guard or, or that it's very, very difficult to find the right point guard 
to to make the Brown and Tatum pairing work at those highest, highest levels. Like, look, again, we're talking about a team that they lost in six games in the finals last year. Uh, I would say that they were, again, a more talented overall team in that series. Steph went Steph mode, and that was that. But, like, I thought they had the better roster. Uh, I think they've had the better – I thought they had the better roster this year against Miami. I thought they had the better roster in uh, – what was it? 20 in – the, in, in the bubble when they lost to Miami – uh, in 2020 in the Eastern Conference Finals. like I, I think they've had a stronger roster in a lot of these years where they haven't quite come out on top. And I just wonder if that says something about how hard it is to find a point guard that can really, really get the most out of Brown and Tatum while having the authority and ability to dictate the offense in those end-of-game moments. Because what we see so often with Boston in a lot of these big games at the end of, you know, fourth quarters and halves and stuff is it just gets very stagnant Brown and Tatum just ISO. And it's like, there's not, it, it just feels like very forced. And it, it actually feels like a disservice to Tatum and Brown where you're asking them, like, you're basically like be LeBron and it's mm-hmm. like be Jordan. And it's like, those guys are who they were because they are above and beyond even the elite players at their position. They, they transcend mm-hmm. what those players are even capable of. And what what I, I, I guess I wonder is, like, if you trade Brown and now Tatum is your number one wing scorer, and let's, uh, let's just, you know, live in a hypothetical world here, and we can use this to transition to another team eventually. But, like, let's say you can make a deal for Damian Lillard, right? Like, that requires Brown going out, whatever – but like, does that work better? Because we know that Damian Lillard at the end of a fourth quarter, like he's a point guard you can trust in those moments, and who has, I think, the gravitas to be like to to either one make a make a decision to set Tatum up, or just be like, hey, I got this. Like you're good. I got this right now. Um, and I just want, like, because I, I, I feel like what they're really looking for is the type of point guard that Kyle Lowry was at his best, where it's like a guy that can right. that can be like, you know, not your, like a third scorer, not be a ball dominant mm-hmm. scorer, play good defense, right? Smart gives you some of the defensive stuff, although I think he's falling off on that end. But like, he's nowhere near what Lowry was capable of in those bigger moments at the end of games um, as a creator. And I, I just feel like there's not. There's not a lot of guards like that. I mean, I don't know if there is a point guard that you could point to right now in the league. You'd be like, oh, he could be that version of that guy. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's hard without a specific example because while you were saying all this, I was trying to think of one, um, and it was hard to come up with one. But I do think that like Lillard is like the high-end version of what you're talking about and like what they would thrive with potentially. Um, and I think that even if you don't send Brown out, like my – mind went to needing like a veteran point guard in the non-cooked division of veteran (laughs) point guards so so it's not just about because part of it is part of it is even position aside part of it I always think about with with Boston is like your team is built around you know two wing guys Tatum and Brown they've been together a long time um they are your star players they're very good players they're still very young and still like you said seem to have problems with 
crunch time playoff situations or organizational things. And like, you can't just necessarily give them the ball and make, they'll make a hundred percent the right decision every time, like a LeBron or something like that. Um, Tatum, for example, seems like so many times when it's just like very obvious to everyone else around you that he can just get to the basket at will. He's settling for jumpers. Um, it's so easy for him sometimes too. And you're just like, I don't understand what goes through your brain. (laughs) Why you don't spam that until they can stop it or something like what the issue is. But anyway, it does feel like Kyle Lowry is a good example. Like prime Kyle Lowry is a good example because it feels like if you can just get a veteran guy who is not rattled, whether it's actual mental rattled or just he's, he's a good player who's not rattled in those situations and who can organize them. And he's not, he's not cooked. He can score. He can organize the team. He can pass. He can play make. If you can get some kind of veteran guy, and the other thing too is like, how do you acquire that guy though? Because it feels like you'd have to run into some luck with like a buyout candidate who catches fire, like a Kevin Love type <laughs> Miami Heat situation, but for point guards, like you'd have to just have. It, it, it's a hard thing to get. Like those guys aren't growing on trees, obviously, but it does feel like. The answer for me isn't necessarily that you need like a star of like a Damian Lillard cap, cap, Damian Lillard caliber. You just need a guy who they can who who you can put the ball in his hands and and at the end of games and, and in tight situations and kind of can rally the team. It just feels like Tatum and Brown are so good that I think people overrate their leadership abilities or or their abilities to thrive in the. Cr- the clutch or, or feel like they should be further along in, in terms of that development, but they are still very young and it just like they might need a guy, a veteran guy to be that guy before they can truly become that guy in like year 10 when they're still only like 28, 29, you know what I mean? You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.